Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, skunk apes. That's correct, skunk apes. Before I get into the show, though, I just want to mention a couple things. Uh, first of all, we hit 1 million downloads on the podcast this week, which I was pretty happy about. And that's a total of 1 million downloads for all the dozens and dozens of episodes that we've put out there in the last three years. Kind of a milestone. If you, liked, uh, if you like what you hear, you can always go to Anchor and support the program there. And also, uh, I'll be looking at it maybe in a week or two. Uh, the Pentagon report came out on the uh, UFO subject. Looks like it's pretty much a nothing burger, just like um, I thought it would be. They've looked at 144 reports. Uh, one of them was a drone. Uh, 144 reports since uh, 2004 seems pretty unlikely to me. But I guess that's what happens when you classify every sighting as a drone. Um, so instead of looking at that this week, I decided to look at something that I was interested in. And I wanted to continue a little bit with this Bigfoot topic, in particular what's called the skunk ape, which some people think is a subspecies of the Bigfoot family. And a lot of times you see these down in the southeast, specifically in Florida. And that's where it seems to be a lot of good stories out of. Now, I've got several links at the website, ufowarning.com. It's ufowarning.com. You can go there and link to the articles. And a pretty good video, I think. It was apparently produced by Les Stroud. He's not in the videos. Another fellow that does the narration of it. And they do a lot of interviews. I thought it was really a well-done uh, a well done documentary on the subject of skunk apes. With some pretty fascinating cases in there. Now, it goes on here... From this first article that we're looking at, it comes out of westpalmbeach.com. And the title says, The Skunk Ape, Florida's Bigfoot. It begins by saying, For centuries, Florida's Seminoles called from called them the Esti Kepkaki, or Tall Man. Today, they are known as the Skunk Ape, and Palm Beach County has had its fair share of sightings. Understandably, most people are skeptical that such a creature ever existed. Sightings peaked in the 1970s as residential construction began encroaching on their habitat, driving them further into the Everglades. Regardless, some of these sightings were very credible. The average skunk ape has shaggy reddish to dark brown hair, stands approximately 7 feet tall, and weighs in the vicinity of 400 to 500 pounds. Then there is the smell reported to be smell reported to be a carnivore, and seminal legend says the Esti Kapaki pronounced Esti Jepjaki was cannibalistic. The earliest published report of a skunk ape, the, the term was coined in the 1960s, was from Sewanee County, east of Tallahassee. In 1942, when a man said that one of the creatures hitched a ride on the running board of his car for nearly a half a mile before jumping off and racing into the woods. Now, I do have much older accounts than that we'll get into. In 1957, Three hunters said that one of the creatures invaded their camp in the Big Cypress National Preserve east of Naples in the southwestern corner of the state. The distance between Suwannee County and Cypress National Preserve is nearly 400 miles. There have been multiple skunk egg sightings in Palm Beach, Hernando, Pasco, Monroe, Collier Counties. In 1973, American cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman suggested the crump, the skunk ape, be added to the extinct genus Dryopithecus. Bazana says, Dave Shaley first saw a skunk ape in 1973 when he was nine years old. A few years after his 
father discovered a set of footprints he was deer hunting with his brother Jack in the Big Cypress National Preserve. I was walking across a swamp, and my brother spotted it first, Shelley recalled. But I couldn't see it over the grass. I, <clears throat> I wasn't tall enough. My brother picked me up, and I saw it about a hundred yards away. It looked like a man, but completely covered with hair. Today, Shelley owns and operates the Skunk Ape Research Center in Okapi, a small town adjacent to the Big Cypress National Preserve. He believes there are seven to nine of the creatures inhabiting the Everglades. Just after midnight on January 9, 1974, Richard Lee Smith slammed his car into something near the intersection of U.S. Route 27 and Hollywood Boulevard on the eastern edge of the Everglades in Pembroke, Mines, in Pembroke Pines. Smith told the Florida Highway Patrol that he, intent, that he initially thought he'd hit a tall man in dark clothing, but he was stunned when seven, when a seven or eight foot tall hairy creature lifted itself off the road, roared at him, and charged his car. Smith gunned his engine and took off. Over the next four hours, drivers in the area reported seeing a limping giant walking along U.S. 27. Officers were dispatched, and at 2:12 a.m., a Hialeah Gardens patrolman reported a huge hairy creature limping along the road a few miles from the accident scene before it disappeared into the brush. At dawn, police searched the swamp with two helicopters but failed to find anything. Vietnam War veteran and, form, and former police officer Charles Stokeman, his wife Leslie, and three children lived on the ocean side near mile marker 94.5 on Key Largo. On July 14, 1977, Stokeman and his 13-year-old son Charlie were collecting bottles in the thick red mangroves behind their home when they caught sight of an enormous eight or nine foot tall skunk ape. Quote, it had a huge head and shoulders, Stuckman said, long fur all over it, and it stank like a dirty wet dog. The noise he made was a high pitched wailing. Stokeman cleared 30 feet of brush from around his home to discourage a return visit, but the overpowering stench of the skunk ape persisted over several nights. Then, local law enforcement received a call about a massive creature crouched beneath the cover of a shed on the Stokeman property. Monroe County Sheriff Deputy Bill Heiss, Florida Maine Patrol Captain Jack Gillian, and Sergeant Randall Chen from the Plantation Key substation investigated. There is definitely a problem there, Officer Chin reported. These people are scared to death. Mrs. Stockman fled to Homestead with her children after catching a glimpse of the creature 30 feet outside her bedroom window. You can imagine that. Although no trace of the skunk ape was found, Charles Stokeman slept alone with his shotgun for almost a month before rejoining his family in Dade County. Now, this is strange. They've seen this giant, you know, four, five, six hundred pound uh, ape-like creature, but they don't say anything about any tracks. That's, that's strange to me. At 2 p.m. on Wednesday, July 16, 1997, Stephen Goodbread, a guide for Pelican Tours, was driving a bus with 30 tourists along Turner River Road in Big Cypress, just east of o Ochipi? Oca Ocopi. He was stopped at a wooden bridge when he observed a large creature standing erect behind some brush approximately 70 yards away. It was about seven feet tall and thick brown hair covering its entire body. The creature was rocking back and forth, shaking the bushes, and appeared irritated by their presence. That's something we see primates at the zoo do sometimes. It says, Goodbread and his passengers observed what they believed to be a skunk ape for about at least 15 minutes. 
He tried to persuade one tourist with a, telephone, with a telephoto lens on her camera to exit the bus and take photos, but she refused. In retrospect, Goodbread said it was probably a good idea that no one got off the bus. He drove away with the creature still in sight, even though Goodbread had always believed in the possibility that the skunk ape existed. He was shaken by the experience and refused to advertise or exploit the skunk ape with his tours. And there's a picture here that's purported to be a, a, a Bigfoot or a skunk ape. Less than a week later, at 7.45 a.m., July 21st, 1997, real estate agent Jack Jan Brook spotted a skunk ape across in front of her while driving on Burns Road in Big Cypress. She described it as very shaggy looking, maybe six and a half or seven feet tall. Fifteen minutes after Jan Brook's encounter, OGB Fire Chief Vincent Doerr photographed the same skunk ape after it entered the forest near his home. At first I thought it was a bear, but bears don't stay up on two legs the way this thing was, Doerr said. 20th century reports of the skunk ape in Palm Beach County are numerous. Quote, I know it exists, Palm Beach County Sheriff's Deputy Marvin Lewis insisted in 1980. He and fellow Deputy Ernie Miner shot a tall creature in 1974 west of Lantana that grunted and quickly disappeared into the swamp. In June 1974, Lake Worth farmer Buddy Sterrett said a skunk ape lifted one of his hogs weighing over 100 pounds and ripped it to pieces. In September, Wilman security guard Kerry Canner shot a skunk after it approached shot a skunk ape after it approached him from out of the woods and ignores his commands to stop. The wounded creature ran back into the brush. It is interesting to note that in 1974 the Everglades was experiencing a record drought and wildfires. Now that might explain why these things were on the move. In 1977, two workers reported seeing a seven-foot-tall hairy ape-like creature ship, sipping water from a lake on a golf course near Delray Beach and notified Palm Beach County Animal Control. Florida skunk, skunk ape sightings persist into the 21st century. Here it says on December 29th, 2000. On December 29th, 2000, the Sarasota Sheriff's Department received an anonymous letter with two enclosed photos from a woman purporting to show what her husband believed was an escaped orangutan that had been stealing fruit from their back porch. She never mentioned anything about a skunk ape, but the photo clearly shows a large primate that is definitely not an orangutan. The letter began enclosed. Please find some pictures I took. My husband thinks it is an orangutan. Is someone missing an orangutan? The woman wrote that for two nights it had taken apples from her do her daughter brought down from up north off their back porch. The photos were taken on the third night after she went out to investigate a repetition of deep whoop noises. She aimed her camera at something that moved in the darkness behind the sawpaw metal bushes at the rear of the property. After quickly snapping two photos, each accompanied by a blinding flesh, the creature retreated into the woods. The woman wrote that it's an, that it's an awful smell lasted long after it left the area. She leashed her dog in their backyard and it never returned. The woman signed off, God bless, I prefer to remain anonymous. She wouldn't give her name, but wrote that the incident occurred on the property near I-75 east of Sarasota in an area that includes the Mycar River and the Mycar State Park. The creature has since been become known as a Mycar skunk ape. And they have a picture there. As I said, you can link to this article on the website, ufowarning.com. It goes on and says, Many researchers believe that skunk apes are descendants of orangutans that escaped from traveling circuses in the frequent in Florida during the mid-20th century. While it is true that many sightings have 
described the creature as resembling an orangutan, the average orangutan stands only four and a half feet tall and weighs less than 200 pounds. Many of these skunk apes have been reported to be at least seven feet in height. It would also not explain why a tall swamp creature known as the Estajapaki has been seen by the Seminoles in the Everglades for over 200 years. Pretty pretty neat article there. Now we have another article on the same subject here of the uh, of the skunk apes. And I want to take a look at this one right here. Um, one second. And this one comes to us from uh, uh, anomoalien.com and it's called the Okafee Encounter. Now it says it starts, this is also linked at the website ufowarning.com. Let's see here. It says, while some of the swamp has been opened up today with modern roads and guided tours, it was different back in 1829 when a group of men had a fatal encounter with what could only be described as a giant Bigfoot. It says, two men that lived uh, in the outer area of the Okafenoki decided to explore into the swamp. After a couple of weeks, the men were shocked by what they saw. A footprint some 18 inches long and 9 inches wide. The men quickly headed for home, fearing the beast that was responsible for the gigantic prints. The two men told their strange story to others living in the swamp, and soon a group of seven men decided to go back into the swamp to hunt down the creature. After a couple of weeks, the group was at the spot where the two men found the giant print. It was still there. It was, it was late in the day. The men settled in, planning to continue the hunt for the following day. In this, <clears throat> and then in seconds, the gigantic beach, beast was in their camp. Exploding out of dense vegetation, a creature some 13 feet tall and covered with hair, the men grabbed their weapons and opened fire. Although wounded, the creature continued on and attacked the men. Five of the seven men were killed. The creature then collapsed, mortally wounded. As the two survivors looked on, the dying beast let out a terrifying screams. The two men feared the screams would attract more of the creatures, fled the area, leaving their fallen fellow hunters behind. The truth of this report can never be known. It may have been written for uh, entertainment purposes, but if it is one, but if it is true, it is one of the earliest written reports of an encounter with a Bigfoot-type creature by a non-Native American. And that is the kind of that it's been floating around there for some time. Of course, the problem with the older accounts like that, unless you have you know more names, dates, and places, are really hard to verify. But I thought it was kind of interesting just to throw that in there. It kind of adds a little bit to the lore. Now, I want to look at one uh, one more article here. That this subject is so fascinating to me. This one comes uh, from uh, bfro.net. I think it's Bigfoot Research Organization. I believe .net. Also linked at the website ufowarning.com. And this is report number 44837, submitted by witness on Wednesday, April 16, 2014. It says, years of South Florida skunk ape stories reported by witness accounts and newspaper articles. And it says, year 1974, season summer, month July 20th, Florida, Robert Counter, Sunshine Acres, University Road, 106th and 111th, Town, Davie, Nearest Road, University Road. So see, they tell you right there where it's at, when it happened. Very nice. Observed in 1974, it says, the witness says, I was 12 years old. My sister M and her family in Divine, Florida with my cousin A, 
who was 15 at the time. One night we were sleeping on a pull-out couch in the sitting room. When we smelled something like a skunk, only worse, we asked my sister what it was, and she said it was the skunk ape, and he comes around in the hottest summers. We didn't believe her, so we asked our friends, and they said it was real. One night while she was sleeping, we were, we seen a huge shadow come across the picture window. Then it turned, looked at itself, and let out a blood-curdling scream that scared us half to death. Then it turned and walked to the side of the house, and we followed it by going in the side bathroom. There it squatted down to eat a wild watermelon. Then it went to the back of the house to a man-made lake, squatted down, and drank some water. A few nights later, the beast attacked a wild horse in the corral. But the horse got away by jumping over the corral and ran off into the pasture. The rancher came out and took a few shots at the beast, but it got away. When the horse came back, it had fingerprints on its hind quarters, not scratches, but finger marks. A few nights later, the beast came and killed a farmer's bull. The farmer took a few shots at the beast, but, but missed it. At the same time, my sister and her husband, Jay, were coming home from a night out, and the sheriff and his deputy were on patrol. We jumped into Joe's car and followed the deputy when the beast stepped out of the darkness and was hit by the police car. The beast went down, and when it got up, it looked into the police car and let out a blood-curdling yell. We were about ten feet behind the deputy's car when the beast hit the police car with both hands, and the back of the car came off the ground. Then it limped off into the swamp. When the sheriff got out of the car, when the sheriff, when the, when the sheriff got out of the car. It looked like it had hit a utility pole. Just then the farmer came over and told the sheriff that his prized bull was dead. This bull was huge, at least a ton, when it, with its head ripped off and thrown across the pasture. That's when they called in the state police with their horses and dogs and helicopters. They searched the swamp all night but found nothing. It says here, also noticed underground caverns in the swamps off the banks of the canals. Four witnesses in the family. Yes, on the Skunk Ape website in Florida. It says, I am flood lights on all corners of the house, central lights, environmental, in, in the Everglades. Wow, that's really neat. Um, there was another case that is brought up. It's, I have a link to it, uh, a, a written report about it on the website. I won't go into reading it right now, but you can go and look it up. And it was also in the documentary, that's uh, the video document that's linked there, the Les Stroud produced documentary. And it goes back to... I believe, 74 or 79, uh, they had an interview there with uh, one of the guys involved. What happened was there was a fire, and this was in the Everglades. It had been a particularly dry year. There had been a fire that year, or several fires. And they were out. He said um, this guy had been a game warden for, I believe it was for the Federal Park Service. And so him and a co-worker were out in a pickup truck, and he said one of their jobs was, after one of these fires swept through, was to go in and pick up any um, dead animals off the road, basically, that, say, had died from uh, the smoke inhalation. Or if they were to find one there that was distressed and they thought they could save, they would bring it back and they would, you know, try to perform uh, medical services to the critter to get it back released. Anyway, he describes how they were going along and they uh, hit one of these things, a skunk ape. And the truck they were driving had a big uh, brush cart in front. You know what a brush cart is? It's like basically just big steel pipes in the front of that truck that 
in case you would hit a deer or you push through brush or something, it doesn't doesn't damage your radiator that much. And so, of course, when they hit this ape, that rush guard took all of the took all of the impact and saved the truck from being totaled. So anyway, they knocked this thing down, and it uh, turns out it's a small one. I think it was like four or five foot tall, maybe. They thought maybe they killed a person. They didn't know. I mean, at first. But obviously, when they looked at it, it wasn't. You know, they, they said they could tell that it wasn't a bear. They could tell it wasn't a monkey. So, as I recall, they loaded the thing up in the back of the truck, finally. And they took it back to the, uh, the office or whatever. And... The next thing you know, they're in an interrogation room with a couple of basically men in black. And these guys, three of them, I think, taken back out to the site of where it happened. And uh, just more or less threatened them and told them, hey, you know, you're not going to talk about this again. What you hit was a bear. You know, this Bigfoot talk is going to stop. And uh, just more or less, you know, put it out there in a pretty in a pretty violent way, actually. Threatening way. And they talk about, you know, that situation. And it makes you wonder, well... You know what would they have to cover up? Why would they even care? There's some, there's some connection here with the deep state, which got me to thinking about a story that uh, Stroud himself uh, touched on a little bit. He said he didn't really want to get into it, but he did mention it, and I think it was pretty fascinating. Really, on one of the episodes I watched with him, he was up on a mountain uh, trying to make contact with these things, which he basically did make contact because. He had some apples clear up in a tree that disappeared. There's no way that there was a bear or a bird or anything like that. I mean, some really strange stuff had happened. But he said that that night on the mountain, uh, four lights were just off in the distance suspended. And he said they weren't like, you know, they were, I think, what we would call orbs, basically. And he said they weren't airplanes. He said if they were airplanes, they would have been the size of a football field, you know. I mean, they were just enormous. And then the next day, they had these, these you know, Bigfoot well, suspected Bigfoot encounter. And I think I think Les was almost a little bit uh, hesitant to make a possible connection there between, although he did mention it, between Bigfoot and uh, E.T. or Bigfoot and uh, any kind of extra-dimensional and interdimensional type stuff. But you see this come up and up again. And what, I guess what I'm a little bit unsure about is some of the... Some of the accounts you read of people shooting these things, they do show physical wounds, they act wounded, they act hurt, they act as though they've been physically injured. And then in other cases you hear they say, well, I shot the thing and it just like it exploded into a blue uh, blaze of light or something. It's whether it's almost, you know, you're getting two separate types of accounts here, one that they're somehow physical and one that they're somehow metaphysical. But either way, it, it, just like when we had the, had the article talking about the one uh, there in the Everglades where it was coming up behind the house and these kids were home, the thing's walking all over the place and you go outside the next day and there's no sign of it. Well, you would suspect that it was walking around your yard, there'd be some tracks. You would suspect that if this creature is actually physical. But if it's metaphysical, maybe not. And that's what I think I find the most fascinating about this, with this Bigfoot thing, is that it just... It just crosses the lines, crosses the lines all over the place, and and uh, it crosses the lines in its behaviors, it crosses the lines in evidence that was left behind, and it's like Straub pointed out, you know, there's been a bunch of DNA uh, tested on these things, and a lot of it's come back inconclusive, it's come back uh, primate, they had one come back 95% human, like the last time I checked the chimpanzee was like 97% human, 
I mean, to say, but, but, but from the lab, you know, the, the feeling you get is like, oh, well, it's 95% human. So, you know, that just means it's from a person. It's got some contamination in it. That's not it at all. You're not telling us what it is. You're telling us that it's something human-like. But, you know, even a coconut or a pineapple is going to have some common DNA with a human. So let's be real here. You're not really telling us anything. What you're telling us is that it's not, it's non-human. That's what you're telling us. I mean, if we depend on these labs to determine whether or not somebody faces a death penalty, I mean, if they're if they're making decisions that important, they should be able to tell us whether or not a suspected Bigfoot blood sample comes back as human or not human, not just come back and say, well, it's 95% human. It's not good enough. I mean, you're the same lab that we're using to determine if somebody lives or dies in a murder case. You can do better than that. You can tell us, what is this thing? Is it human or is it not human? And not, telling us that it's 95% human is not good enough, not in my opinion. Just that's, that's like refusing to admit that you don't know what it is, okay? And if you can't determine what it is, then why are we depending upon you to determine the guilt or innocence of somebody that could be facing the death penalty or life in prison? Really? I mean, it's just, we have a real epidemic in this country of people not wanting to apply the scientific method of thought to things that really need it. There's plenty of things that we can, that we can apply our opinion to or our own personal thinking to. I mean, but when it comes to things where we're talking about, when we're talking about evidence-based stuff, we should do a lot better job of applying the scientific method of things, doing our very best to make sure that we rule out mistakes, doing our very best to make sure that our opinions aren't clouding the evidence. You know, we saw that happen a lot with this COVID thing. Wear a mask, wear a mask. Where's the scientific evidence? Show us the studies. And I see the same thing happening with this Bigfoot thing. People are faithfully sending in these Bigfoot samples, but we're not really getting the answers back that we deserve. You know, are they, are they, forming a base of these samples so we can find commonalities so they can say, oh yeah, this is a Bigfoot sample. We, we don't have one alive, but we know this is the same DNA that came in the last five samples. Or are they just blowing us off and saying, oh, it's 95% human? doesn't mean anything. That just We don't know anything more now than we did before you tested it. And secondly, it's interesting to see a lot of these groups, you know, really getting out there in the woods and trying to make contact and stuff. But I'm not sure how much good they're doing other than just maybe raising some awareness of it. But at the same time, there is some room for investigation here. You know, Dr. Greer seems to think somehow that, I think he mentioned something about the deep state being connected with this phenomena. Maybe. I mean, who knows? Maybe this thing's been around for generations since the Native Americans have believed in them for thousands of years. But, you know, maybe it's a phenomenon that's been around long enough that doesn't mean that the actors in the deep state couldn't have somehow tried to corrupt this thing or get in contact with it or to use this phenomena to their advantage, some kind of super soldier, who knows. But there's lots of information on it, lots of encounters, and that's probably kind of the funnest thing about this. It seems like the encounters make the newspapers a lot more with these, and people seem to do people seem to do a little better job. Maybe it's a little easier for them to explain what happened because they see this Bigfoot or the skunk ape or whatever you want to call it, and they're able to think of it in physical terms so their mind is able to actually create a narrative that we can 
that we can communicate to each other. It's not something that's so far out there, with like some of these UFO encounters, that it almost defies an explanation. And so that makes that makes for some good reading, actually. Until next time, though, this is UFO Warning, over and out.